As men, we can become preoccupied with financial success. I've certainly felt that at times myself. But the team and I have designed a quiz that's going to help you improve your intentions to achieve better results for your career and business. And there's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end of this episode. But for now, enjoy listening. It was essentially borrowed time. That was borrowed time. And I needed to act quick. But I didn't know how to act. I didn't know where to go. Welcome to Stories of Men, Beneath the Surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. In this episode, we're diving into how our parents influence how we raise our own kids, for better or worse. More than a decade ago, Bode was really struggling. His relationship with the mother of his daughter had completely broken down. He'd fallen into a depression, lost his home and his job. He ended up living, of all places, in his ex-mother-in-law's spare room. He was trying to make ends meet on just £20 a week. One dark night, he'd reached his wit's end and climbed under the duvet. It was raining. So the heating only came on for about two hours in a day, so it was really cold in the house. And my plan was to essentially overdose, because I was over all of it. I felt that I was nothing, and I felt I didn't deserve to be here. I think I'd hit rock bottom. But something happened, because I drank way too much alcohol, so I just fell asleep. I got this phone call from my dad. I was like, oh, here we go again. I was half expecting him to start shouting down the phone, or cursing me out or calling me a weakling or a failure or something. I don't know what pushed me to pick up that phone call, but I did. I braced myself for that. I was defensive and I was ready to just hang up if he started mouthing off or whatever. Surprisingly, he didn't. He goes, buddy, how are you doing? I was like, I'm good, dad. What's up? He goes, no. I really need to know how you are doing. I know you are living in your mother-in-law's house and that must not be nice. But listen, I want to buy you a ticket to come to Nigeria. Even if it's for a week, just come. And let's sit down, let's talk. You know, if we need to take you to church to go have some prayers, let's go get some prayers done. Just come home and feel some love. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And I cried. And it was just perfect, you know. The rain was falling, it was cold, and I could hear the raindrops hit the window. Under the duvet, absolutely under the duvet, and just crying, because I just felt some kind of release. My dad's reaction to me crying was silence. He was silent. And that's one of the first times that my dad I felt my dad actually gave me space to just be. And I just found myself saying, okay, dad. But he didn't stop there. Because I know you are saying okay, but I need more than that. I need you right now to give me dates so I can book the ticket so you can come immediately. If, you, if I can fly you out tomorrow, I will fly you out tomorrow. Oya means like quickly, you know? So it's, Oya, look at it now, quickly. So I got to the airport. It was dull. The weather was cold, like I said, it was grey. I checked in for the flight, and I was about to board the plane, I got upgraded. 
I got upgraded to business class. So I got on the plane, sad, down, forlorn. The moment the flight taxied, got on the runway, took off, and kind of left the UK, I physically felt weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt like scales fall from my eyes. Something spiritual happened. All of a sudden, energy come from nowhere. I was breathing better. I was moving better. I just felt like something was stretching me. I just felt stretched and alive. So what happened when you stepped off the plane in Nigeria? So I arrived in Nigeria and again, I was expecting dad to be his usual self, which is hard because that's what I was used to. For all the years, I left Nigeria when I was 18. So from one to 18, I was used to my dad being that harsh, you know, stoic, you know, void of emotions type person. I got to see some spiritual leaders as well that my dad took me because he was going to take me to church. It was in line. He took me to church. I had some prayers put down on my head. A lot of people telling me, listen, you're going to go back there and you're going to do shit. Now I sat down and I told, I spoke to my dad and this was one of the most important bits. He said to me, right, when you get back to England, I've got a friend that has an apartment that he rents out. I've spoken to him. I've told him to rent out one of his flats to you. I'm going to pay for the first six months. So you're going to go back to England. We're going to sit down. We're going to dust your CD, CV off. We're going to prepare it. You're going to go look for work. You're going to hit the ground running. And that was exactly what happened. I really want to talk about this interplay between you and your dad. And I like what you said. You said he allowed me to just be. Because I think about when I grew up, uh, in Greater Manchester, my parents, it was constant having a go at me and feeling like they're mithering you. And as as we say in, in, in Wigan, pecking your head. Oh, she's pecking my head again. Oh, dad's pecking my head. And it's I'm kind of struggling to think of situations where they've allowed me to be. There's probably definitely been a few situations, but what was that like for you where you're expecting your dad to peck your head, but actually he's allowing you the space to really cry and let that go? It felt refreshing for me. It, it was something that I'd always needed. I'd always wanted, but I couldn't describe it. You know, when you just know deep down inside that you want something, but you can't put, you can't find the words to explain what you want. I mean, as a young lad, as a young boy, all I wanted from my dad was affection. All I wanted from him, from him was a hug. All I wanted from him was, you know, that rub on my head when I feel down when I feel like I've broken my toy or something. Just tell me, you know what? These things happen. I'm sorry about it. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of shouting at me and telling me, you broke it. You're going to go buy another one. You're wasting money. Maybe I don't want to hear that at that point. So for me, that was refreshing. And I needed that. I needed to just be able to release. For me, it was a release. It sounds like it's acceptance that your, your dad gave you. And if you, we think we talk a lot about on this podcast about what's considered masculine and what's considered feminine. And the masculine is, oh, I can't believe, Bode, you've done this again and again. Whereas the feminine is just letting things be yes. and giving you space. And that's probably considered more feminine. So he probably was in touch more of his feminine side to just surrender and just let you do what you needed to do. He was, he was. And from that day onwards, I've seen this little glimpse of the feminine side from, even though I think he kind of gathers himself, you know, when he does like, yep, yeah, no, I'm that man again. But I've seen little, little bits and pieces and he continues to grow and develop. In fact, we are growing and developing together, you know, as father and son. We're doing that together, which has allowed us to get into a new space in our relationship. Um, 
And he could be, it was amazing. Like I said, it was just something I've never seen before. And I just wish it was done more. So it sounds like that was the catalyst for a renewed strength in your relationship with him. And would, has that continued to grow since? That's continued to grow. Um, of course, there are times where I just get absolutely... I mean, I, I'm in therapy and I've been in therapy for a few years now. And what therapy always does is it just opens up those wounds and brings out those emotions and anger and whatnot. So when I'm able to see something clearly. So there are times where I'm just kind of like pissed off with him for so many things, thinking, well, why didn't he do this? Why did he do that? But then because we're now able to have conversations as adults, I'm able to sit him down and say, right, when I was younger, you did this. And it didn't, didn't feel nice, Dad. Could you explain to me why you did that, why you felt that was necessary? And he's now able to go back into his past and tell me stories from his past. So together, we come to an understanding that the reason why he did things was because of how he grew up. So he's also processing things as I'm processing things. So we're processing it together. So it's really helping our relationship. I say to people when I was when, about my book, when I started writing my book, it took me about a year to write it. When I started writing it, there was still an element of anger towards my dad. You know, but by the time I got towards the end of it, I'd hit a point where there was healing and acceptance that, you know what? That's who he is. That's who he was. You know, I'm able to deal with the traumas and stuff I faced whilst growing up because I have those, I have the help and the support around me. He probably didn't have that. So he didn't have anywhere to process it. He didn't have anything, no one to help him with that. So I've come to an understanding that you can't expect five gallons of water from a jerry can or from a can that can only hold one litre. It's impossible. He gave me what he had. He dealt with me with the tools that he had. Mm. And I've come to accept that. I think that acceptance is is such a an emotionally intelligent thing to to process when it comes to our parents because as much as we want to, we can't change our parents. And I, I've yes. tried that for many years. And I think you just have yes. to accept your parents for who they are. Absolutely. And and I got I also have counselling as well for been doing it for about a year now. And I found through through counselling that Again, you you accept your parents more and more, and uh, but also I'm willing to tell them when I'm upset about something because I don't know about you. In the past, I would just bottle it up and not say anything. We're actually right now. I I speak to, I spoke to my mum a few week mother a few weeks ago, and I said when I came back home from Portugal, I was in Portugal for a few weeks, and I went back home, and it was all just a bit strange that our interactions. And she went down to see my sister in near London, and. She said, oh, I'd love to see you for a night or two. And I said, well, I'm not really sure if I want to catch up because it was so strange. So I, in the past, I would have just kept up to myself, not met up with her. But then she said, oh, don't worry. You know, uh, sorry if I was like that with you. Uh, I'm much different uh, away from home than I am at home. So I met up with them and it was so much better. So I think voicing your concerns to your, your parents, I think is really important. It's really, really important. And it's 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 it creates... It, it, it creates a different dynamic to the relationship, you know, because your parents now start to understand that you are a full-grown adult, that you have a mind of your own. There's, no, there's, there's nothing as powerful as that when your parents understand that you have a mind of your own. And that is exactly how I am with my children. My children know that they've got a mind of their own and they can make their own decisions, right? I'm only here to guide them through that, but I'm not going to force them through anything. And my little boy, he just started school and he goes to the same school as, uh, so my, my, he goes to the same school as his elder, sis, his elder sister. 
drop them off at 7.30 in the morning. They all go into a hall and play and whatnot before they go into class. Now, he doesn't fancy the idea of being dropped off at 7.30 in the hall. He wants to go straight into his class. Now, the thing is, he can't get into his class until 8.30. This morning, I took them both there and I tried again. I said, right, can we go into the hall? He said, no, Dad, I'm happy to walk with you to escort my sister to the hall, but we're going to come back and sit in the car and wait until, he, until it's time for me to go in. Do you understand, Dad? I said, yes. I said, okay, fine, you can come down from the car. And when he came down, he said it again. I'm not going in. I'm just walking with you. I said, okay, that's fine. That's okay. And for me, it's important that he's able to express that and do that. Because what I found is, like, for example, I don't like to go to church now. It's not because I'm not religious or I don't believe in God, but I don't like to go to church because I was forced to go to church when I was younger. So I decided that the moment I was in control of myself and my time and my own resources, I'm not going to any church. And that's how it's been. Because for me, the idea of going to church is still so traumatic because I was forced to do it. Yeah. And I think when, when we have the freedom to do what we want to do, like your son, I was just thinking, what a guy. Go on, my friend. You know, tell dad exactly what you want and don't want. Yeah. Yeah, and he's four. Yeah, he's four, but he's able to express himself in that way. Is able to set his boundaries, and, and it's our goal as parents to respect those boundaries. Every way I am with my son is as a result of my relationship with my dad, or every way my dad was with me. The thing is, I'm totally opposite of what my dad was or who my dad was. I'm totally opposite. So I just took that blueprint. I was like, right. I didn't like any of that. I'm just going to flip it on his head and do the opposite. And that's what I started. That's what I did. And that's what I do up to this day. Of course, there are, there are good sides of it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to just nail my dad like that. No, they are, they are really good sides to him because I know one thing about my dad is he will go above and beyond for his kids, right? I've, I've taken that. I will go above and beyond for my kids as well. However, my dad was essentially jump. And I say, how high? For me, it's a case of, I think you should jump. What do you think about it? Uh, I'm not really sure I want to jump. Okay, why don't you want to jump? Because this, that, 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 that. Okay, cool, fine, fair enough. But let me explain to you that if you jump, this is what's going to happen. If you don't jump, this is what's going to happen. Now, the decision is left to you. But just understand that there are consequences for every action, okay? Because I've come to understand something, that as a parent, I am here as a guide. I don't own my children. And that's it. You know, I just need to let them feel and understand and explore themselves. I wasn't given a chance to do that. So that's where we differ. And I wish I could do that when I was younger. There were so many things I didn't want to do. Like, I didn't want to be locked up in a room to learn my times table. I didn't want that. But I had to do that. I'll give you another example. Over a period of time, and my sisters and I have had this discussion time and time again. We've spoken about it. Because I told them straight, I said, there was a point in time I didn't like you guys. And they said, what? Why? I said, because when we were younger, I was always forced to look after you. Right? And I give my sisters a story. I said, there was a day I was out playing with my friends. And we were just racing. I think I actually wrote this in my book. We were racing. Myself and my friends were racing. I didn't realize that one of my sisters was running behind us right now what happened was she fell as a result of that and bumped her head so she had a cut on her head i got beaten for that right and the reason was you should have known your sister was there you are your sister's keeper i'm like i'm just playing with my friends 
I don't know. She's there. I'm I'm being a child. I'm running, doing what children do, running. And she's doing what children, you know, younger siblings do by running behind me. It's not my fault that she fell. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and so for me, again, that's that's very, very important. And, and I had these conversations with my sister. I said, so for years, I didn't like you guys because I always saw myself as the black sheep and you guys as the perfect one. We'll get back to the episode in a second. Before that, I just want to say, if you think this episode would be useful to a friend, send it along. You never know, it might just be the exact thing they're looking for today. And now back to the show. You were the oldest in the fam, same as me, and I've got two two younger sisters and a brother, and during the 90s and the noughties, I had to look after them whilst my parents went to work. The way my parents communicated it to me was, you have to look after your sister because we've literally got no other option. We've not got a babysitter, can't afford it or whatever. You're going to have to look after you, you, your your sisters. And I was 10 years old when I started looking after my sister, which nowadays you'd have child protection services all over you at that, at that age. So it was never forced, but it was like I have to help my family, my parents, because they've got to go to work to, to feed us and clothe us or whatever. The way I'm picturing your father is this very – sort of dominant masculine oh, yeah. nigerian guy oh, yeah. and it's like this way or the highway this way or the highway this way or the highway the funny thing is he still tries that till this day i was having a conversation with him yesterday about politics so we're talking about nigerian politics so i know a lot about nigerian politics and there's an elections coming up next year and i said if i was in nigeria if i still lived in nigeria and i was able to vote i would vote for someone else and my dad says no 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 you need to vote for this guy and I was like, no, I don't want to vote for him. I don't like his policies. I think he's an old man. And I think the old guys just need to go and let the young, innovative people come in and run the country because the old guys have actually run the country to the, to, to the ground. And he goes, no, if you were here, you were going to vote, you know, I would have convinced you. I was like, no, you can't convince me. You can't. <laughs> you can't convince me. Yeah. And you're a fully grown man now. Maybe your dad sometimes sees you as a 10-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever. And it's. I want to ask you about your purpose and your direction because the version of you right now is completely different to the version of you in 2010 I think you said when you're when you're in your your ex's mum's house how did you feel as a man at that stage because I've had periods of time where I've been on the dole this is I mean many many years ago but it makes you feel less of a man and it's very sort of degrading and you you feel like you're this wanderer around the world and this person's got a job, that person's got a job, this person can buy this car, this person can travel to this country, and you're this, you're almost seeing life pass you by. That's kind of how I felt. Or you're watching people live, whereas you're not doing that. How did you feel in that time? I felt less of a man. Look, here's the thing. I felt that way even more so because, so my father was surrounded by what he would class as failures. He was the only man in his family to actually do something with himself. So one of the ways he parent, and he admitted this as well, he parented me out of fear because he didn't want me to end up like his brothers and people that were failures around him. But here I was with no job, no money, no food, no nothing. 20 pounds a week coming from my mom's friend, living in my ex's mom's house. Can't support my daughter as well. I was essentially everything that he feared at that point. So I felt like I was I was a disgrace. I felt like I wasn't mad enough. I felt like I did not deserve to be here. 
I had I had those thoughts. I had societal thoughts. At some point, I thought I was going to end it. I thought I was going to end it. I even went as far as buying pills, and I didn't take the pills. And lo and behold, it was my dad's phone call that woke me up, telling me to come to Nigeria. Do you think your dad had some sort of sixth sense to go, there's something wrong with Bode, I need to reach out to him? Oh, you know what? Nail, Nail on the head. He had just, and that's the reason why he took the soft approach with me, he had just spoken to one of the so-called spiritual leaders that he respected the day before. And that spiritual leader had told him that, listen, you've got so many things wrong with this kid. You need to get on the phone, call him, and be soft with him, and you need to do that immediately. Wow. And then the phone call came. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm just remembering all of it now. Do you know what I mean? It's just falling into place, you know, because... Memories sometimes just fade away. But yeah, I'm remembering now the story because I asked him, what made you call me? I never shared with him what I planned to do, but I asked him, what made you call me? And he says, the reason why I called you was because the day before I'd spoken to someone, the person had told me I'd gotten things wrong with you and I needed to make amends and I needed to get on the phone immediately. So you don't go to church, but the power of God. Yes, Yes, absolutely. In whatever form it was, came to you. It came to me. And, and I do believe, and like I said, I do still believe, I'm still, I'm a very spiritual person. I still believe in that power. I believe in it. I just don't enjoy the idea of going to church. But I do believe, you know, I still have conversations with the Supreme Being. I still do that. I still have those thoughts when I'm meditating. What you and I both have in common is this, like a yearning for freedom. I mean, I don't know whether how high up on the values list freedom is for you, but it's my number one thing. I love to be able to just go to whatever country I want to go to, do whatever I want to do. Why do you think that's so important to you and to men as a whole as a real high value? Ah, good question. And freedom is right up there for me as well. And the reason why it's important is society has said this is how a man should be. We're in a box, right? It's amazing what you start to understand when you start to operate outside of that box. You start to understand that that box was created to benefit someone, right? Not you, someone. The establishment. The establishment, exactly. That's what it was created (laughs) to be. The moment you understand that, that, whoa, hold on a minute. If I don't do all of that, that doesn't make me less of a man. Okay, cool, I'm a stay-at-home dad. And I'm the person that does the laundry in the house. I'm the person that does the cooking. But guess what? I do all of that so that the great stuff that my wife does can continue to grow. She can go out there and do the amazing things and more money comes in and we're able to feed the family. We're able to have a roof over our head and we're able to live good. And at the end of the day, I got a book out of it too. It's a win-win. There is this stigma in society about being a stay-at-home father and a lot of men are doing it nowadays. And do you think that still that stigma still exists? And how do you feel when you t- tell people you're a stay-at-home dad? Now, I feel great when I say that. And actually, I make a point of saying it now because I want men, most especially, to see. I want people to see that. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So I'm actually owning it. I'm owning that title, right? In the past, I would have felt a certain way about it. Even when I decided to do it, I hid it. I made up things. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm running a few businesses and blah, blah, blah. Nah, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Okay. I'm looking after my kids. I'm spending time with them. 
I'm catching up on last time. I'm giving them food. I'm putting them to bed, right? So that my wife can go out there and do what she knows how to do best. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong. And the world needs that. The world needs more men to really start to think that way. What was the shift for you to go from this, from the beginning where you're you're keeping it to yourself, you're not sharing it with people? What was the what was the trigger point for you to really own that? And I love that that sense of ownership because I've spoken to stay at home dads before, and there's this sort of but there's this like English reservedness or whatever when you speak to. It's like, oh yeah, well I'm a stay at home dad, but you're like, no, I own this, and and I love what I do. I made a conscious decision too, and I'll be honest, that was my wife helped, my manager also helped because she's also a very good friend, and they said, no, you've got to own this. What you do is absolutely amazing. What you do is wonderful, right? You you've got to own it. And I thought to myself, yeah, and I actually enjoy doing it too. So why not? So I just started. It was just from one person to another person to another person, and before I knew it, I say it to everyone now. It just I just started to practice it. You know, I'm a creature of habit and I need to do things over and over and over to truly master it. So I just from one person to another to another. And now it's just out there. Like some people might have these feelings of, oh, well, he's he's less of a man because he he's a he's a stay at home dad. What would you say to those kinds of people? And how do you retain your masculinity? I would say, what's the definition of a man? What is the definition of a man? And if you give me any definition, I will tell you that's a show. That's a construct. Right. What is the definition of a man? What is the definition of a woman? What is right? I'm a man that happens to have children. Right. And I've decided to stay home to look after them. OK. Simple as. <laughs> you know, when I have kids in future, I wouldn't want a situation where I'm out of the house all day. or I'm constantly going on business trips and you don't see your kids for a week or two. I mean, that makes me think of why did you have kids in the first place if you can't enjoy them? And the funny thing is I've done that. You know, in my the job I was doing, the job took me up and down the whole country. Sometimes I leave the house on Monday and not get back till Friday, right? I knew something was missing. I was missing loads of things. I'll give you another story. My my middle child, so I've got three kids. Uh, one's 14, one's eight going on nine, and one's four. Um, my eight-year-old does not let me put her to sleep. The reason is because, you see, those formative years, those really important years, I wasn't here. I was at work. I was in hotels you know, flying up, driving up and down the whole country for work. So till this day, she does not let me put her to sleep. She'll rather put herself to sleep. It's either herself or her mum. They've got a ritual that they do. So that's it. For me, no, it just doesn't work. So I kind of saw that and I thought, nah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen again. So I made sure I kind of went overboard with my son. (laughs) I made sure, you know, so he doesn't let anyone else put him to sleep apart from me. How do you treat your girls differently to your boy and you know are you are you trying to teach them for example your boy you're trying to teach him sports and things that are traditionally associated with masculinity and on the other side with with your girls you know trying to funnel them into certain activities or or ways of looking at things behaviors i don't treat them any different the funny thing is my eight-year-old daughter she's the one into sports cars she's the one into football Right, she loves sports cars. She wants to go on car shows with me. The other day, I went to a car show, and she was angry that I didn't wake her up and take her with me. Right, she's well into that. She's the one with the Liverpool kit, with the Manchester United kit. She's got both. I don't know why. Oh, you can't do <laughs> you know? that. You can't do that. But the reason why she bought the Liverpool kit was to taunt me. That's why she did that. <laughs> but, evil, yeah. evil. But she wants to play football. Her school doesn't. The girls don't play football in her school. 
And she's kicking up a fuss about that. And she's actually written a petition to the school to say, right, now we need to actually create a team for the girls to play football. Amazing. But my little boy, on the other hand, he loves to play with dolls. He loves his dolls. He loves to play with his toy vacuum cleaner. He loves to pretend cook. I'm not going to stop them from doing what they love because he's a boy and she's a girl. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll let them do what they love. Which is the opposite, complete opposite to what your dad did. Absolutely. It's the complete opposite. My children see me as the man in the house. They see me do the cooking. They see me do the cleaning. I'm the person with the rags and the spray bleach going, pss, 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 doing that. And mum is just sitting down, crossing her legs, you know, with a cup of coffee, watching TV. And in fact, I'm topping up the coffee. There's nothing... I, and for me, I think it's important that my son... My son, it's important that my son sees that. Because I want him to go out into the world and not expect that his gender makes him better than anyone else. I don't want him to go out in the world thinking that I'm a man, so a woman must do what I say. That's not going to fly, right? We have to start making the world a better place. And the only way we can make it a better place is by changing those ways of thinking. It's also important that my girls, my daughters, see me do that kind of stuff so no one can treat them like that. What struck me about my conversation with Bode was the fact that he comes from a traditionally patriarchal family and is a stay-at-home dad. Throughout the whole conversation, I was just thinking about the transition that Bode has made to becoming a stay-at-home dad, how much of a role model he can be for many other men who are thinking about going down that route as well. I've not seen many stories about men talking about being a stay-at-home dad, and I think that's to do with the fact that there is a stereotype about this kind of role for men. There's definitely a stigma attached to it. Bode is a goal-driven masculine man, and this goes against the preconceived notion of what a stay-at-home dad is. He's not making excuses for the fact he's a stay-at-home dad, or saying because of circumstances he has to stay at home and justifying himself. He's saying that this is his main job and he definitely owns it. To be the father that Bode is to his kids today, he can credit his own father for helping him get out of the situation he was in. Bode's father was there for him when he really needed him the most in his darkest hour. And this goes to show that being a father is a lifelong responsibility and not something that's just up to the age of 18. Before you go, let me tell you about our man test. The team and I created it with the belief that every man has hidden, untapped potential, and I want to help you discover what it could be. Let's face it, we've all got dreams and aspirations, but the stresses of life can get in the way. I know I've been there myself. As men, each one of us has skills and knowledge that sets us apart from the rest. It's about discovering what they are and making the most of them. The man test is simple. It takes less than three minutes and will help you discover your true strengths and talents by working out what kind of modern man you really are. Find the link in the show notes and take the man test today. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.